Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, David Farmer. Hey, Launch University community, this is David Farmer, and I am joined by Kevin Jennings. Hello, Kevin. Hey, everybody. How's it going? And Jeff Henderson. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Dave. We're missing somebody, though, right? We are missing Shane Benson. Um, <laughs> don't have the entire group here, but Shane's off conquering the world in other domains. That's so, right. Uh, go get him, Shane. He's launching something. That's right. <laughs> um, but we're excited to come together today to share some of our thoughts on what you can do if you ever find yourself stalled out in the midst of a launch or a project or a... I don't know, just some campaign that you're working on, and you had great intentions when you began. But what do we say about intentions, Jeff? You got to turn them into reality. And sustain them, right. right? So that's what we want to try to help you do. And also, David, I think we, we, we all can relate to this. This is a me too. If you've ever felt stalled in an area of life, particularly as it relates to an idea, uh, welcome to being a human being. So this, is, this isn't judgment zone. This is, hey, we've been there and we can help. Absolutely. In fact, I think we're able to share from some of our own personal experiences. So yeah. uh, what we want to actually do in this podcast is we want to talk about five common reasons why you may get stalled out and propose a solution or antidote to those. Uh, and so we're going to actually begin, Kevin, with you. Uh, awesome. Let's talk about the first one. Uh, and I'm working, but I'm stalled out because I'm confused about a key choice I've got to make. Unpack that for us. Yeah, sure. Well, first, I mean, I hope that anyone who is feeling stuck because they're confused gives themselves the opportunity to pause and ask themselves just emotionally where they are. Because I do think that, and, I, and I'm saying this because I, once upon a time, there's actually an uh, assessment online about getting un, getting stuck. And... um I found out the reason I was confused because I didn't have a plan. Yep. Um, and, and, that, and that was a big part of it. But I also know by myself as a recovering perfectionist, which I talked about before, is that sometimes I've used the lack of a perfect plan that mitigated all risk is why I was confused. Uh-huh. And so it was fear. So sometimes confused, I do want to just acknowledge it. Sometimes your confusion is not really confusion. It's, it's fear because you may not be confused on the very next step. You might be confused on the big picture. Yeah. And one thing we talked about um, when we got together in, in our previous episode, when we were discussing, you know, all of the different ways that, you know, you can make your ideas happen. And that is there is gray. And so we will not take away all confusion. Some part of that you have to be okay with. And I wanted to put that out there before I even answer that question. Yeah, we talked about done is better than perfect, something that we had uh, learned from a visit to Facebook. Right, and, and Jeff was alluding to the fact that saying, hey, we all have to kind of navigate the gray areas and become comfortable with some level of ambiguity. So, so if you're confused a little bit, you're actually okay. So I want to make sure that I say that out front. What, what about the person that they've just got a strategic choice to make, their pros and cons with each of the alternatives, and... Uh, they just don't know what to do, and so that's, it's causing them to lose all um, all the inertia they had. Yeah, you you know, one thing I would say in this situation is, first of all, go back to your goals, because I do think that when you go back to your goals, that that says, hey, you know what? I may not have it perfect. My next, my choice may not be perfect, and I can play out, you know, all the pros and cons. But I might find out in light of my goals that either decision's okay. Or one might become a clear winner in light of my goals. Yep. Um, so I think that's a big part. Going back to the the North Star there. 
Can I build on that? Absolutely. I like to say the best decisions we make are made with the long-term perspective in view. That's right. So as you're weighing goals, weighing options, don't get too caught up in sort of short-term impact at the expense of where you, what's going to put you in a better position long-term as well. Absolutely. I mean, and let's, so, so what I would typically tell someone if I was consulting them, I'd say, okay, what we're going to do right now for you is build a GPS. Yep. We're going to, we're going to literally say, okay, do you know where we're going? Okay, okay, great. Let's to your point, you know, we'd have the end in mind. Let's write that down. Okay. Now where are we right now? Let's get our starting point as clear as we can get it. Okay. Well, right now I have this. I have, okay, great. Let's list that. Let's get a clear picture of where we are. Now we can look at all the routes that are there. And one in the routes you're you might be currently discussing, you might find out that one just by doing that kind of falls away. And if you once again, as you as you do that, you know, you can say, Well, do I have the resources to truly pursue the other route. And I think that's the reality. At the end of the day, if I'm going to drive to Florida, and I use this analogy, if I'm going to go to go to Disney World from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm driving a beat down car, to be quite honest, driving to Florida is not really an option. This car won't last that long. It won't get me to Tallahassee. It's not going to get me past the state lines. I can't drive this vehicle that way. I'm going to need to find another solution. The vehicle to get there won't work just because it's not intact. So what I say is almost build your strategy and revisit your strategy sometimes helps you make the strategic choice. Yep. And I'll I'll add one other thought. You're confused. Uh, You're struggling with what to do. If you've built uh, a team of advisors, formal or informal, have a way to poll them and just solicit input real quick, and that may help inform um, the direction you need to take as well. Absolutely. Just don't stay stuck. Absolutely. Like I said, and all you're trying to do is remove some level of ambiguity. And I think sometimes is it going back to your own strategy if you don't have one. Like yeah. I said, you may not. I don't want to assume you have one, but if you so put one in place, that's that at least gives you enough clarity to say what is the how does the outcome of this decision affect the goal. Um, and I'll say one last thing, and that will be. Kind of go back to your purpose, too, because when we talk a lot about with Launch University, that a big part of our mission is to make sure that we create resources that can scale. A big part of the challenge we talked about way back in our early episodes was that, you know, that you, David, Jeff and Shane, the three of you were mentoring plenty of leaders in Atlanta, but your actual time was the resource you could no longer give to them, which meant you couldn't help them anymore. Yeah. And so we're saying, hey, we want to help you as much as we can, but if time is our is our limitation, we have to remove that beer so we can help as many people as we can help. And I would say, so for us, that's a big principle, saying how do we scale our ability to help others? So I would say to you, hey, what is that filter that you yeah. created that, that, that you need to overlay over your decisions? That also might bring some clarity to your confusion. Okay, so that's good. So... Uh, reason one, confused, don't want you to get stuck there. Let's go to reason two, Jeff. And that, I think it's folks that all of a sudden find themselves overwhelmed for any number of reasons. What counsel do you give somebody in that circumstance? Yeah, and I think we've certainly all been there. And I think you have to discern between activity and high-impact results. So that, I think we've got to have a discerning mind to go, are there activities that, 
that I'm doing that are not generating the results that I want. And it's the old 80-20 rules. So where's that 20% of your your activity that's going to generate the 80% of the results that you're you're looking at and you're wanting? And uh, sometimes when I talk to launchers, they're very, very, very busy. But what they haven't thought of, they've gotten so busy trying to launch that there's a lot of activities. They're, uh, they're spending a whole lot more time on social media, perhaps, that they need to be versus just actually in the customer service realm. So where is your high-impact results right now? And start focusing in on those high-impact results. And that means, David, they've got to say, we've got to learn how to say no. Yeah, that's, and it's, that's the rest of the story, right? you yeah, got to let some stuff go. It's the, you've got to say, what are we going to stop doing? And as we've learned from Jim Collins, you need to have a stop doing list. Yes. And it's a hard thing to do, especially if you're a solopreneur and you're on your own. But ironically, counterintuitively, that's why you have to do it even more. I heard um, an author of the book, Time, Talent, and Energy, Bain Consultant, recently talk about sometimes we just can't say stop doing. So he uses the term manage backlog. If that makes you feel better, put it on your managed <laughs> managed backlog, backlog list because there's, I guess, still hope that you're going to come back to it at some point. But what you're in essence doing is saying this is lower priority. This is not the high impact activity, so I don't need to be channeling my energy right now into it. Right. We're not saying say no forever. We're saying say no for now. Yes. I love that. And so what happens is, is you become less overwhelmed and you, you gain, you gain some traction. I also think, and we talked about this earlier on some other things we were doing today is I think it's really helpful to find an early win every morning. And we talked about, uh, well, in fact, you, you brought it up. So why don't you give the example? Well, that's when you almost get into, I'm stalled out and I've lost momentum, um, which I, I know can happen to me. And I learned this principle. I actually heard um, an admiral, I think it's McRaven, share the talk uh, at a commencement address at Texas. It might have been Texas A&M, University of Texas, can't remember. But he said, uh, hey, guys, when you get up every morning, make your bed. Now, in the military, you don't have a choice in your barracks. You do if you're a civilian. Uh, he actually turned this into a whole book, by the way, this concept, Make Your Bed. But the point that he was trying to make is if you make your bed, you post a win right out of the gate. And that actually creates momentum that helps you take on the next task, which is probably going to be a bigger, more complex task. You're going to feel good. Uh, you're going you're gonna to generate some positive endorphins in your, um, in your body. And so I love that concept. So I actually take that idea, and I, I now think about how I apply that in a lot of different areas. I get up in the morning, and I go work out. And that in and of itself is kind of like posting an early win. Mm -hmm. That creates momentum. But even when I go work out, I notice that I start with easy things that just sort of get me moving and warmed up before I take on a harder or more intense form of exercise. Think about this in a meeting. What's a way you can get the meeting going? Start with something easy that energizes the group. Think about a project. You've got a big project with, that, that may even be dawning to you. Well, start with an easy element that you know you can do, maybe one that you can en enjoy just to get moving. It's just the principle of, of momentum. You know, once a body's in motion, it's easier to keep it in motion. If it's at rest, it's going to take more effort to get it going. And I think along those lines, you could get an, you could get an early win in four areas, your heart, soul, mind, and body. Body you're talking about with a workout. Yep. Um, soul, if you wanted to do a devotion. Um, if you wanted to do uh, your, your, your heart, I would say 
maybe a text or a thank you note to someone, you know, relationally. I think that would be fine. So heart, soul, mind, we did body. Oh, and mind, I think reading, maybe one chapter of a particular book that you read. If you did that and that got your day going, uh, I think that would allow you to to feel less overwhelmed. The other thing, which is I think is a powerful, powerful antidote to feeling overwhelmed, is writing down seven things that you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, instead of approaching the day that I have to do all this stuff, when you have a heart of gratitude, you get to do this stuff. And I, I wow, I, I've got a lot to do, but wow, I got a lot to do. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um, uh, Tony Robbins talks about this a lot of, Researchers talk about this, that how, you know, when they look at the brain, gratitude actually quiets the exact side of the brain that deals with fear. And that, so, it's, so it's a very, it's, it's a very interesting thing to think that how great, how gratitude unlocks things. And uh, there's another author, Todd Henry, he works with creators all the time. He talks about reading books in the morning and how that gives you an opportunity just to, to commune with great minds. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I love that. I just love that illustration of saying, hey, I'm inviting, you know. Malcolm Gladwell to my bedroom or to my to my coffee table for an hour to hang out. Yeah, um, so that's a really cool idea. I love that. I'm going to mention one little point, and then I want to come back and I want to ask you a question. Uh, a lot of the things that overwhelm us, I have to remind myself all the time. Hey, these are first world problems. You know, let's <laughs> yeah. don't get too worked up about this because to put things in perspective, you see from uh, mission trips or places where people are going through some sort of crisis. I mean, for them, it could literally be a struggle for life and death. We're not generally up against that. So I I do want to, at times, just putting things in perspective helps me amp down uh, some of the stress that I might feel. My computer recently crashed for the second time, and so I have a loner computer now. Yeah. Wow, that's a hard thing to deal with, right? So well, it, it's one of those... it is until you have perspective, <laughs> right, right? Right, right, So here's my question for you. You've had to tackle some really huge initiatives. You've had to raise money to build churches. I, I mean, millions and millions and millions of dollars. I have to believe that felt kind of daunting and arguably overwhelming. Tell us a little yes. bit about what, maybe pick a story uh, from uh, your work that you feel comfortable sharing. Talk about how you might have felt at a, a, a kind of a down moment when you you didn't have the momentum you wanted. You may or may not have been absolutely stuck, but you, you, you still had some of those emotions playing out. What'd you do to get past that? Yeah, well, I, I'm not, I didn't really f- consider myself a fundraiser. Uh, I was terrible at it in high school. We would have to sell Christmas wrapping paper for the basketball team. And I, I basically, my parents and grandparents bought it. And that was, I never, so, you know, <laughs> I was like, and then suddenly I discovered I have to raise millions of dollars to help, you know, build a church. And I just, I just didn't think I was good at it. But so I had to do the mental exercises of understanding what, going back to my purpose earlier, what Kevin was talking about. Do I believe in, is this a worthwhile project to, um, for people to give the money to? Absolutely. Do I believe in it? Absolutely. And so then just understanding the mental exercises and saying, you know what, I can, I think this is what I'm called to do. So I'm going to do it to the best of my ability and not try to compare myself to somebody else that, you know, he's probably been doing this a lot longer than I have, a lot better. But I can do this within my own abilities and my own strengths if this is what I've been called to do. And and I think being comfortable in who I am and um, and then just trying to communicate in my own way uh, has really helped me, if that helps makes any sense. Yeah. 
I can think of lots of times I was very intimidated by the prospects of having to do something. And once I just sort of waded into it a little bit, um, I got more comfortable. Right. You know, think of places where you were very uncomfortable at first, but then didn't take long. Uh, you got comfortable, and over time, you got very comfortable. Right. I think it's that way with a lot of our, our, our launches, our projects. It's just unknown, and you just sort of have to wade into it a little bit. Yeah, and then discovering who you are. Like with fundraising, for me, I discovered that I'm more comfortable asking lots of people in a room for money versus a one-on-one coffee environment. Okay, I'm probably good. not as good one-on-one because I'm probably more, I'm, I'm naturally an introvert. I'm naturally shy. But if you put me in a room of 4,000 people, I can cast vision and inspire them to do that. For whatever reason, I feel more comfortable in front of thousands versus one. So when I discovered that, I thought, I got to lean into that and leverage this fundraising thing along the lines of my own skill set and strength. And that, to me, felt less daunting and less less overwhelming. That's great. All right, so we've talked uh, about what you do when you feel confused and stalled out, uh, overwhelmed and stalled out, and even when you've lost momentum. Uh, Kevin, let's talk about what if you just feel broke or out of resource? And yeah. You, you've shared, you feel like you've been there before. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think... Um I think that's that's the state I'm not too far removed from um, as, as, as a college student, and and even I think just a college, even a, even a newly married person who has tons of ideas and working their way up the corporate ladder from entry level role, um, but always having an idea and a project I wanted to start. So the key thing I think, first of all, it's okay to, to be broke. So in in, in in this situation, I think that it's at it builds character. I think it actually um, talks about this one thing you talked about that on the episode we we talked about making ideas happen. You said hey. You know, there there are there are times when uh, your constraints are are the are going to be what pushes your innovation, and I think that's actually the opportunity you have. So I actually want to first of all say acknowledge that this can be an opportunity for you to push you forward. It says not a it, it can be a positive thing, and I also think if you're willing to, to take that vantage point and recognize I might not have money. But I'm not out of options. I'm not, you know, and I think that's the first thing. You are not optionless. Yep. And so, the, so what I'll first, I'll say, get, get clarity on the idea. We talked about this earlier, right? Kind of by clearing up the confusion, you're going to be able to have better, more clarity on what you actually need. You know, so I, it's like, well, yeah, of course, we, we can all do a lot more than a million dollars. I mean, who couldn't? You know, so what, what, what launcher doesn't want a million dollars to help them with their idea? Um, so, but the reality is, what do I actually need? And the, and the first thing is, what am I going to spend the money on, for example, when you come about being broke? Is it, I'm going to spend money on help? Okay, so I need a person, not money. The yep. money is the vehicle to the person. Or I need this particular technology. Okay, so you need technology, not the money. Okay, so there's a lot of ways around that. Um, then one thing Jeff has said multiple times uh, that I think is great, sometimes you need to be resourceful, not necessarily get resources. So what I would encourage someone to do is to try to think about four or five different ways they can go about getting that resource. Yeah. Um, so for example, and, I, and I'll just give some ideas to this person, whoever's listening. If I needed a person right now and I, and I had limited money, so I have some, just not a lot, a part-time virtual assistant in the Philippines who works for you 20 hours a week um, is going to cost you $300 a month. 
And you know that from personal experience. I know that. We have an amazing VA in the Philippines. Hello, Cherry. Hope you're listening. Um, she's, <laughs> she's awesome. You know, and I've worked with her for over a year now. And she's amazing what she does. And so 600 bucks. I mean, you know, hopefully you'll want me to share that, Cherry. I give you bonuses. You know that. But, <laughs> but you know, but I'm just being honest. $600. And I have a person who, who has a livable wage. I mean, Cherry just bought a house last year because of a bonus that I gave her. And I'm not bragging. I'm saying like, like she's in a situation where she can take care of her family. She's happy. I'm happy. But that's what stands in the way of you having 20 hours a week of help is $300 a month. So, I, so, so that's the first thing. If you're like, I don't even have that, Kevin. Then there's a company called, um, um, called Fancy Hands where you can actually get a, a assistant that does on-demand tasks. You can pay them $25 and they'll do five tasks a month. Okay, what does that mean? Maybe it's researching somebody. Maybe it's calling that thing for you. Okay, do you have $25? Okay, well, I don't have that, Kevin. All right, then I'm going to say, will your mother give you an hour a week of her time? Will your boyfriend, your girlfriend, will your best friend? And the answer is yes. Most people around you want to support you, but they're not as into your idea on the expertise level as you are. So they don't know what, how to help you. You know, they don't know what to do. I mean, if you're, you know, this thing of a parent who wants to help their kid play ball, right? I'll, I can't do what you do, son. I can't do what you do, honey, with my daughter, but I'll go to the field and catch the ball for you under the hoop and pass it back to you and shoot again. Like, I, I can do something to help facilitate that. So I think that's one thing I would encourage you to do. If you're like, well, I don't need, uh, I need expertise, I need wisdom. Okay, great. I would find people to contact and I would look, their, look them up online. I'd research them and I'd email them and say, hey, can I just get... 15 minutes of your time. Here's a simple question I have to ask you. I mean, you can reach out people cold and just see how they'll help. I'm just trying to give a bunch of ideas. I think people are looking for excuses right now, David, to say he doesn't know how broke I am. Yeah. And I, and I'm, I'm very confident that I've, I've been as broke as you. I think we could go deep on this because there, I think about technology creating options that might not have been uh, readily available before just crowdsourcing. That's probably something we can Absolutely. go deep on. Open collaboration is another topic that we can go, or open innovation that we can go deep on, where you open up a problem to people to participate in virtually. They come alongside and help you uh, solve a problem so you don't have to have your own dedicated resource to crack it. We got to go deep on that at some point, but absolutely, there are options that might not have existed before. Yeah, and I th- also think this is a great interview question. If you're interviewing someone for your company or organization, ask them, "Tell me about a time when you didn't have the resources. How did you find them?" And that's the kind of person you you want a very resourceful person. And I have a feat when whenever I hear, particularly, in the, I hear this a lot in the nonprofit world. I just don't have the money for that. I just don't have the budget for that. And that's the indication to me that th- this is a person that's that has confined themselves. The person that says, "Hey, I don't have the money for this quite yet, but I feel like I've got to get better, and I feel like this leadership program or whatever is going to, I need this. Give me a couple of days. I'm going to go find somebody. I'm going to go find the money and come back." That's the person that I want to invest in and spend my time with. You know, and that, and that makes me think about one other thing. So there was a, a book um, that came out years ago called The Lean Startup. Yeah. Um, and, and the premise of it, right, is that we do not know which of our ideas are going to work. And so how do we make sure we don't waste time, money, resources, building solutions and ideas people don't really want? And obviously, design thinking 
could be a big part of that. Um, but one thing that they encourage is you building a minimum viable product. So I would tell you, I'm also broke. Okay, you're broke. Let's take the idea down from at its perfect executed vision and say, what am I actually trying to do? And can I test even the essence of the concept itself? So I wanted to, you know, with Launch University, we wanted to create resources that would help those go-getters turn into difference makers. And so it started out with us speaking for free at a co-working space in Atlanta, Georgia to see, do people care about this topic? Are they interested in it? Do we do it well enough where they actually enjoy it and feel like it's helpful to them? And now, okay, well, now let's take that one one level up. Let's do a podcast about that. So I would say, hey, can you take it back and say, if I have nothing to give but my time, an hour of my time, can I test the concept out? Um, there's a story that Eric Rees does where there's a company trying to create an app to help people do their grocery shopping. And they just said, you know, we can't do it through the app yet. Let's offer to sit down with a mom before she goes grocery shopping and create her grocery shopping list for her and see if even the pain of doing that she even cares about, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think, so I think that's one thing I would say, is there, is there a real problem going here to understand portion of what we're trying to do here? Well, and sometimes the worst thing that can happen is that you get all the resources you think you need Ooh. because what happens is, is you our launch loop. You can jump several of the loops to launch because you've got the resources and the money you don't have to look any further than Webvan. They built it all out because they, you know, they had investors, but they they really skipped the launch loop and went too fast to launch before testing this idea out. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. You guys are talking about grocery delivery. Just yesterday, a longtime friend of mine sent me a picture, a text with a picture. When I got out of school, I got out of Georgia Tech. I worked for. Uh, a little bit of time on launching a business with a partner called Aisle One, and it was delivering groceries to homes. Now, granted, this was over 25 years ago. It We were resource poor, too, by the way, um, but we had a lot of passion for it. What we didn't have was the internet back then. <laughs> it is so funny you talk about webban, yeah. which came along later but didn't work. Well, and, but and, I think the idea. I mean, I think Amazon will prove with Whole Foods oh, yeah. that it's going to work. Instacart, Amazon, absolutely. They just, they just skipped some of the launch loop yeah. because they had the money. Well, and I didn't understand, you know, what I have since learned about really how you you, you take things through a design thinking right. innovation process. But it's so funny you bring that up. So that's my true confession in this episode about a. <laughs> A failure that I learned a lot from aisle one uh, back in the nineties. Clean up on aisle one. Yeah, <laughs> someone is buying that uh, domain name. That's right a beautiful. Yeah, I don't even know if I own the. Do- I don't yeah. even know if I knew to own the <laughs> domain name. What was a, do- a domain name <laughs> right back then? All right, so uh, I want to add one thing to this idea of broke. I believe that resources follow vision. Mm. So if you find yourself at a place where you're broke, be That's it. Good financially broke or you need some other kind of expertise that you don't have, you're broke on that, uh, go back to your vision. Tweet tweet that out. Whoever's listening right now, there's someone in your life who you want to who you want to help and they need to hear that phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Resources follow vision. And not the other way around. So it begins with vision and you've got to figure out, one, are you still committed to that vision? Two, is that vision compelling? And three, are you sharing that vision um, so that it might potentially motivate the person that has the resources to commit the resources to your endeavor? 
Now it could be that maybe the, re- the 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 vision is not compelling enough, and you got to you got to shore it up a little bit. But uh, you got to get back to pitching vision. And, and one other concept that we've been taught and and like to um, remind folks is vision leaks. Mm-hmm. So it's not a once and done thing. You got to keep putting it out there. So if you're short on resources, you better get back and 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 start uh, casting vision again. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. All right, let's go to this uh, last reason that I might get stalled out, and that is I'm just burned out. Mm -hmm. And Jeff, I wonder if you can talk to that. Well, I think this ties in that the antidote to that is rest and margin. And I think the principle here is you must have rest in order to be at your best. And you must have rest to be at your best. And, And I just think, you know, somebody really encouraged us to rest once every seven days. And that's that's been around for a while. And I think we think, yeah, whatever, I, I'm not going to do that. But this whole idea of a Sabbath or rest or margin, that's a, that's a component. That's not the whole thing, but that's a component of it. Uh, I haven't read this book, but I saw the title yesterday in the bookstore called Bored But Brilliant. And I love that. And the, I read the back cover and basically the author's making the point that Boredom and margin is actually a good thing, and we don't experience boredom anymore because if we have a moment of boredom, we go right to our phones and check you know, Instagram or whatever. And so creating some margin is really, really important. But if you are feeling burned out at your work, I think the, the, what happens is, is you see that creep into your physical, emotional life. Yeah. Can, can I tell a Chick-fil-A story? Because as our listeners may know, I'm a Chick-fil-A and um, one of the things we're known for is closed on Sunday. Um, Truett Cathy, our founder, opened his first diner near the Atlanta airport in 1946. Back then, being closed on Sunday was relatively common. In the South, we had these blue laws where many businesses were closed. And I've heard Truett, and he has said, it's not that I had some uh, philosophical objection to a restaurant being open on Sunday. His own wife, Jeanette, always wanted him to take her to a restaurant on Sunday um, after they went to church. So that wasn't the issue. But he ran a a 24-hour diner near the Atlanta airport. He was serving airport workers as well as a Ford um, motor company manufacturing plant that was right across the work. So shift workers coming in all the time. So it was kind of a 24-6 business. And he said the reality was I had to have a day off. Mm-hmm. He did want to worship, uh, but he just fundamentally needed to take a break. And I think that's what enabled him to keep going. And he found so much value in that. It really kind of became part of the culture. And it's just sort of a norm within Chick-fil-A now. And even today, our restaurant operators value that. And while it may seem like they're giving up one of the busiest restaurant days of the week from a revenue standpoint, their their belief is it enables them to attract talent to the business and keep talent in the business that they wouldn't otherwise get, which enables them to do more in six days than they might otherwise do in seven. So right. it, we see that play out really for decades within the um, within the Chick-fil-A mm-hmm. business. And so if you're feeling uninspired, if you just don't, aren't motivated, then there, there may be this burnout factor going on. So I think examining your rhythms, whether it's a weekly rhythm, and um, the other thing is there may just be a season in life. You know, I, as you guys know, 
uh, when I hit 50, that was a that was a tough moment for me. So I actually took 30 days off and just to kind of recalibrate. And North Point was gracious enough to give that to me. Uh, there may be seasons in life, and this was uh, after coming off losing a lot of close people in our lives. My dad died, all this kind of stuff. Uh, that grief just kind of caught up to me. And so I think processing that, and we talk a lot at Launch University about the your emotion, what's happening on the inside is really most important. That it'll 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 show up. Uh, as, as our friend Andy Stanley says, your, 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 your behavior will eventually mirror your heart. Whatever's going on in your heart, it will eventually, we'll, we'll see it leak out. And uh, so one of the questions we ask people to ask is, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And if you're feeling that, sometimes it's hard to see burnout in the mirror. And, and so I think trying to have enough people in your life to be able to speak into this. And I, I think we want to be superheroes. We don't want to admit any of this. And I think it's really important to realize that you are, you're not a machine. You're a human being. And I, think, and I think for many of the launchers who are listening, you're probably fitting in this new idea around whatever takes care of your family today. Yeah. Um, and so that, that means you, you cherish the margins because that's where the this idea comes to life. And so one thing that happened to me, and it was not by choice, my car radio just stopped working. Like my all my speakers are short-circuited, and it was going to cost way too much money to get those terrible speakers fixed. And so I haven't gotten them fixed. And I love music. I DJ on the side for fun. So the idea of not listening to music in the car was really sad at first. And right now, I don't get them fixed because I love the, I love the silence. Um, I, if, if left up to my own devices, I would go all the time and I would, you know, especially now that I DJ, I would turn listening to music into research for the next gig. And that would be me trying to be productive. And now I'm like, I've sit in silence and that's, what's going to happen. I'm going to send. And so you, you mix the, uh, the Atlanta traffic with, with no radio. And those have been all of my times to process everything. Now I cherish the time so much that when we go on a family trip, I don't listen to audiobooks the way I used to a podcast. I'm like, I need the, I need the silence. Um, and so, so I would tell someone as well to go to the whole boredom and brilliance idea. You can start to find the tiny time. My wife always talks about like, Hey, those tiny moments that you would usually try to fill up yeah. And say, okay, let me use this gap to ponder something. Let me use the open road. Let me use, let me try to not turn everything. You know, people have, I know people have televisions in their bathrooms, people have televisions in their bedrooms. You know, where, where can I find a little bit of some margin, even just to think and process the day? I love that. Uh, Jeff, listening to you a moment ago talking about uh, going through a season where you just needed rest, uh, I was in a conversation with a friend and coworker who was struggling a bit and they were, they uh, kind of gotten down on themselves a little bit. And so they're talking and um, they're, they're, they're kind of just uh, lamenting a little bit with me. They've, I've, I'm grateful that they felt like they had the liberty to do that. And as I listened, I heard what they were saying and I felt their emotion. I just didn't believe that what they were saying was true. I, I think it was sort of the tired, a weak, you know, version of themselves talking. And I finally looked at them and said, hey, you know what? I hear you. I don't believe any of that. Can I give you a piece of advice? You just need to go take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) You literally just need to go rest. And I think if you rest, you're going to come back with a radically different experience. But you're just a little worn down right now. Mm -hmm. Don't Don't believe what you're saying. Yeah. 
And Kev, this is one of the reasons we like having Dave Farmer as a friend. He'll be flat out honest with you. <laughs> yes, he will. Yes, he will. <laughs> but it's really true. It really is true. And if you want to have an emotionally healthy organization, you can't be an un. You can't be an unhealthy person emotionally. You, emotionally healthy organizations are led by emotionally healthy people. Yeah, and it starts with. I remember several years ago when Dan Cathy said, "I'm going to get eight in 2008." That meant he was going to get eight hours a night. That was his goal, uh, and just to have that as a goal is is great. But if you think you're too strong for rest, rest will prove you wrong. You, yeah, you you need it. Got to keep the batteries charged. That's right. Man, I think I, you you've been dropping the sticky statements in this <laughs> podcast. I, I, I feel like this. I feel like they're like, wow. If you think you're too strong for rest, rest will prove you're wrong. Then you said emotionally, it's like emotionally healthy organizations need emotionally healthy leaders, right? And then you, and you said one other one, but I, I'm, I'm, it'll, it'll come back to me. <laughs> it'll come I, to you the next. I'm podcast. just trying. To, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to make sure people don't miss them because you're, you're, you're throwing them in there. You're dropping them. Well. You know, when, when, along those lines, Anne Lamont, I saw she did a TED Talk, which is actually actually phenomenal. It was something like the seven things I've learned in life or something. But one of the things she said is, I've learned that if you turn something off and turn it back on, it usually, you know, resets itself. And she was talking about, you know, technology and all that. But it's really true for us. If you kind of turn us off for a minute, recharge the batteries, and then wake back up, things, you just look at life better. And that's why I encourage our staff Please go outside and walk around if it's a good weather day. Go outside, walk around, and come back and tackle the problem because you're going to tackle it and see it from a different perspective just because you've given your brain a little bit of a rest. Yeah, that's right. So I would say to listeners, getting stuck is not unusual. We've all been there. Absolutely. Um, you just don't want to stay there. Right. And so we want to encourage you to do a little self-assessment. Why are you stuck? Be honest. Uh, we've identified... Some of the common reasons, it may be something else, um, but work your way out of it and don't beat yourself up for it. Uh, you're doing something that's arguably hard, that's bold. Uh, we want to encourage you to keep going. That's why we have this podcast. We want to fuel your journey, uh, but don't stay stuck. Mm -hmm. So Jeff, um, I'm going to let you sort of wrap things up and just share with listeners what they can do going forward? Well, I, two things, David. I think, first of all, we would encourage you to send this to a friend, share it with a, this, this particular episode with a friend, and here's why. I would ask them to listen to this and then say, hey, will you help me to, with a question, what do you think, what it's like to be on the other side of me? Will you give me some input on what you see in my life? Am I burned out? Am I stalled? Is or one of these areas somewhere that I am that you can identify with? And you have the permission to speak into my life. So you'll be doing two things. First of all, you'll be sharing Launch University with a friend, but you'll be doing it in a strategic way so that this friend can help you. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's what we would encourage you to do is share this episode, but share it strategically to say, hey, I'm asking you to give me some permission to speak into my life. Is, can you see one or more of these areas impacting me? Do you feel like I'm stalled out? I feel like I may be stalled out, you may want to say to them. So can you help me? I think it'll be a huge gift to someone in your life for them to speak into to, to your life. 
Kevin, can we post my business card from 1988? I'll one in the show notes. If, if you, if you have, if you, I have, have a picture of it. I was like, if you have that, I, I think everyone would appreciate it. By the way, I'll one was a really great name. It has a carrot in the uh, logo too. You'll have to see it. We'll have to post it. Hey, for- look to see if that. We, we just may want to before any of our listeners. They may have already get captured this, but before anybody soaks up that domain name, let's go ahead and do that. Yeah, I yeah. know. We should, we should have a redirect to Launch University. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's awesome. Also, I mean, this episode was full of really great statements. And you kind of kind of put handles on it and say, okay, I need to carry that statement with me when I get stuck next time. So check out the show notes because I think that there's going to be there's some really good nuggets that you can kind of go back to yourself, recite them to yourself. Um, there's a reason that, that Jeff and David and Shane do such a great job recalling all these quotes. They don't just read the book. They don't just listen to the leaders at these conferences. They're trying their, their best to put them to memory so that they can recall them when they're needed. And I think that's something I've been really convicted of hanging out with you guys is, Kevin, you have to put this stuff in your memory so you can call on it when you need it. It's not just designed for inspiration in the moment. It's designed to give you what you need in the moments when you're stuck and you're, and you're frustrated and you're feeling overwhelmed to get you through those tough, tough times. And I would just like to say, I think Shane's comments have been unforgettable on this current. (laughs) Poor Shane. Shane, we're going to take care of you. Well, uh, Jeff, Kevin, enjoy being with you guys for this episode. And to our listeners, thanks again. Just can't tell you how much um, we are just honored uh, by you being part of the community. Um, Don't get stuck. Bust through it. I would just leave you with these words. Go forth and conquer. Thanks for listening to the Launch University Podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.